It's the Derek and Mike Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the show. We appreciate it. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Hanging, man. How you doing today, D? I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah? good. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I feel like we start the show the same way every time. How you doing, D? I'm good. All right. <laughs> now that's out of the way. Glad yeah, you know, there's... Sometimes it's like, I don't want to tell the exact truth. I mean, I'm doing okay. You know, I want to start it off with good though. You know, I, th- I feel like a basic first introduction, you need to start saying like, oh, I'm doing good, you know, and uh, uh, not gloss over um, or not lie, you know? Yeah. Have you ever asked someone, uh, oh, how you doing? And it's just the automatic thing that you say when you see someone. We've talked about that before. Pointless small talk, but a lot of point to the pointless small talk. <laughs> and then the person responds with, Actually, really not that great. Or, oh, I'm doing terrible. And then you immediately regret ever asking. Yeah, it's like you've, you've just fallen into a trap. You're like, oh, no, my, my foot is all sticky with the slime that you just got me with. <laughs> I, just stepped in, I just stepped in the sludge of your problems. <laughs> oh, no. In, the, in the, the, the tar pit of your life. Damn it. Yeah. And then what do you do? Do you just go like, oh, that sucks, and just go on with your conversation or just walk away? Or, I mean, you don't address it. You have to go, oh, no, that's terrible. Tell me what's going on. What's, what's wrong? You know, I'm trying to think of a time when that, ha- I know it had to have happened, but it, that hasn't happened to me in a, quite a while. So oh, wow. I, I can't say exactly uh, what I would have done. But, you know, typically you get one of those situations where somebody says that and you're kind of like, OK, I'm not going to ask that person that again, ever again. I'm probably going to avoid them <laughs> as much as I can. Note to self, never ask Sally how she's doing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't ask me how I'm doing because the honest answer is fucking terrible. Uh, so... Oh yeah, no. what, yeah. You what? avoided you avoided a, a meteorite that was speeding your direction, and you strategically avoided it. Very, very well done. Well, do tell what what's what's the matter? Oh, you want to step in the tar pits of my problems? Oh, I think we owe it. You kind of have to now. You, yeah. you, you dip you dipped your toe into it. Actually, I kind of I, you didn't even ask me how I was doing. I kind of pulled you into my tar pit there. Oh wait, were you asking me how I was doing so I could ask you how you're doing because you wanted to tell how you're doing? No, no, I, I literally just said, "Hey, uh, how you doing?" Like an automaton, uh, with very little interest in how you were actually doing. To be honest. <laughs> well, and that's why I didn't ask you how you're doing because I kind of glossed over because I knew <laughs> it was just to, to get the wheels all uh, greased. Oh, but, nice! Well, but now, now we we found that. we found a topic, I think, uh, and uh, I am. Uh, very interested in how you're doing, and I want to know what is uh, right. what what is the issue in Mikeville. We'll try to keep it short because I've got a lot to bellyache about, but I don't want to sit and just do a lot of bellyaching. I prefer to be positive, but the truth is, we are in a tough situation right now. Where oh, you you know, remember me talking about the nanny we have and complaining how she talked to my son like a caveman? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, she may have been listening to that episode because shortly after that, she turned in her two week notice. And uh, we are in a hell of a predicament right now uh, where, truthfully, we don't think she's that great at her job, but 
she's just good enough at the job to not motivate us to really look hard for a replacement. Like, she's getting it done. She's okay. She's, she's you know, she doesn't punch our kids and she shows up for the most part. She's, she's, she's good enough, right? She's yeah. good. She's okay. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, but we've talked about before, like, we really need to find a new nanny, someone who's great, someone who really goes the extra mile, teaches them a lot of things, like someone who's really good. And yeah, okay, so we both agree that we need to find someone new, but we're not motivated to do so because she's just good enough. Well, yeah. she has decided to join the growing masses of people who are going out on the, the government dole. And she uh, is going to basically file a claim for disability and say that she's too stressed to work and uh, take six months off to really get her health in order and, uh, and do that sort of thing. So essentially, she's going to go and say she's unable to work, file for unemployment or disability or whatever that looks like, and uh, just collect checks from the government and does not want to work anymore. Well, I'm surprised that uh, she gave you all that info. What- That's, some of that is speculation. Uh, I, to be fair, she didn't flat out tell me that, Hey, I'm going to go tell the government I can't work and uh, collect checks. So, but we see the pattern. She's been going to the doctors a lot. She keeps complaining. And she did actually say something to the effect of, I'm just too stressed to work. I'm going to take six months off and, uh, I need to get my medical situation in order. All that shit. She actually said, she said she's too stressed to work. Wow. Well, you know, the sad part is obviously you got to find another nanny, the good part is that um, sounds like you may not want her to be around your kids anyway if she's just, you know, kind of having that tough of a time well, where she needs to take time off. I don't think she off. is. I think that's nonsense because really oh. it's – I mean it's not like it's easy to watch two young kids, but it's certainly not stressful. A lot of her job is sitting on the floor playing flashcards, fucking watching Blippy on YouTube. I mean it's pretty chill, right? I mean you're inside yeah. an air-conditioned house all day and the kids nap a lot. So how fucking stressful can it be? Um, but uh, like go 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 talk to a 12-year-old kid who works in a Nike factory in China and talk about talk about a hard job, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it, definitely. Um, yeah, there's just, there is a lot of uh, people not working now. I think I know we touched on that before. Uh, I did uh, see some statistics. I don't know if it's true or not, but 20, this, was it this week, um, 28 or 26 states stopped the additional $300 per week mm. uh, stipend. I didn't even Great. know that people were getting an additional $300 per week. I don't know what that was for, but I guess that that's, was at the state level. And that's just the COVID kicker, right? Like, hey, you're already getting... Uh government whether it's disability or unemployment or whatever you're already getting paid from the government for not doing anything but they were giving an extra kicker because of covid right i think so this is what it sounds like it sounds like the the federal government was giving or is giving people money i suppose okay and then the states were kicking it in and saying hey here's another 300 bucks like oh god damn dude and so certain states are saying yeah enough of that crap and certain states are opting out of that extra incentive to do nothing well, yeah, and if states are the smart states, I think would look around at their small businesses and say, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of help wanted signs in there, and um, we need to get people working. It's unmistakable. You can't miss it. They're fucking everywhere. everywhere. I even heard from someone. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'll, I'll um, perpetuate what I heard as if it were true. Uh, that I think it was El Pollo Loco. He said was offering like two hundred dollars just to interview or something like that. Uh, wow. now that's crazy, right? Um, 
And on a side note, I have an interview with Opoyo Loco later on today. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's part of why I'm doing so terribly, because honestly, you're right. We, we don't really want her as our nanny anymore. Um, she's just OK, like I said. But really, I mean, for the amount of money we're paying and for the level of importance that taking care of our kids is to us, we want someone who's great. And we have had an ad out on the Find Me a Nanny websites uh, for a while. We're not actively pushing to find a new nanny as much as we wish we would have been now that we're in this situation. But ever since she told us and put in her notice a week and a half ago, we started looking hard, obviously, because two weeks is not a lot of time to find and vet a new a new nanny. Uh, but the reality of it is, is no one is applying for the job. Literally no one. Um, we're paying a ton of money. We're offering a ton of money for, for what I think is a pretty chill job. Like I said, you're sitting in air conditioning all day. It's steady. It's watching kids. So there's a lot of cartoons and nap time included in the, in the, uh, package. And, um, the first time around we were looking for a nanny when our oldest son was born two years ago, we had an insane amount of applicants and we spent a ton of time sifting through them, trying to qualify who would even be worth talking to or taking a look at or interviewing, and then eventually whittled it down to someone who was a good fit. Uh, and now, literally no one, no one is applying for it. Not one. I mean, what, we've reached out to yeah, a few. What can you do in that situation? I, I, I don't know. That's, that's what we're stuck with right now is um, what the hell do we do? You know, other than look through like our... our uh, friends of friends or any family members, you know, we've, we've kind of looked into our, our, our parents our the kids, grandparents for some help. It, it's not a feasible daily full-time possibility for them to come and take on the responsibility of watching our kids every day so we can go to work. Uh, so we'll get some help from the grandparents, but we can't rely on that. We can't ask that of, of our 70 year old grandparents, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, dude. We are in a very fucked situation. And daily, my wife and I are just kind of faced again with the reality of, what are we going to do? She's going to be gone very soon. How are we going to go to work? What do we do? We have no idea. So we're in a tough place right now. We have no good answers. Yeah, that is tough. Um, can Sarah work from home in any capacity? I mean, or, she, or you, you are she totally works. Well, she totally works from home, but oh right. I mean, the thing is, dude, is that she really does need to work. She needs to be on the phone and and doing emails and like at least dedicating some number of hours to work. Uh, of course, yeah. but I mean, the needs of two kids of a two and a half year old and a six month old are just too much. Yeah, for her to realistically enough to keep her job you know yeah of course uh, yeah like during covid during the original shutdown of covid in march i was told to work from home don't go anywhere don't come to the office don't go see any customers just work from your home and don't go anywhere like okay uh sarah was actually furloughed from her job she works in retail so she was furloughed during that original covid um shutdown period uh so she was off work and i was working from home and we watched our our then one and a half year old on our own. And even that was pretty tough. Like, um, uh, she handled most of it. I kind of came in on breaks and I, I worked in the garage during that time. I came in on breaks and, and helped her out as much as I could. That was even tough. Yeah. Um, but now that there's two kids and now that we both have to continue working, assuming she doesn't get furloughed and assuming I'm still able to go out and see people as things kind of get worse now, uh, I don't know how the fuck we're going to do it, honestly, but we're going to find out really soon. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it, what other option is there 
through this period where you can't find people to work than to increase wages. And I, and I know I don't say that to you in a, I'm not happy to say that to you, but I mean, isn't that what's just going to happen? Is that well, yes, and we've already got so originally we were paying a reasonable rate, but like babysitter rates that were I mean, you know, not a lot of money, but decent money in the in the childcare world. And then COVID hit. Uh we watched our own kids. We didn't want the nanny coming over right when everything was super bad and Sarah was furloughed anyway, so we we let our nanny go or put her on fucking leave essentially. We stopped having her come for a while. Uh then we got a new nanny when things started getting busy again and we started working again. We brought her in and in order to get her to come to work, we had to get into a pay range that was double what we were paying before. I mean, a super high rate. Uh, uh, fuck. I think it, I think it's somewhere in the 50 to $60,000 a year range. Um, for the nanny we're paying right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a that's lot more than money, a right? teacher makes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think, uh, it's a, and teachers it's should lot. make a lot of money, a lot more teachers than they should make, but it's a lot, dude. Yeah. So we're paying right in the 50 K to 60 K a year range, like fucking Ivy league college amounts of money for an in-home nanny to change diapers and, and hit play on YouTube. Uh, I mean, there's more to it than that, but serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, I mean, we're talking at, okay, no one's applying for the job at, at that pay rate, which is a lot. So how much more can we truly afford to offer and how much more do we really need to offer to incentivize someone to go to work every day? Like what the hell is going on here, man? And what are we supposed to do? I mean, we're not a small business, but we're an employer, obviously looking for one employee who wants to come to work every day, who wants to put in full-time hours. We can't find anyone for a crazy high amount of money. Obviously all these other businesses with help wanted signs and paying people to just come to an interview and begging for someone to come and work for them and take their money. Uh, what kind of a path are we going down here and how do we come out of this? Uh, we need to stop giving people free money. We need to stop giving people answer. Yeah. I, I, what are, that's gotta be what it is. It's, it's hurting. I mean, this is a great microcosm of an example of how it is affecting working people that, sure that helped the economy i mean you guys are i mean i hate using the economy as if it's some precious child or anything but but it, it is though we I all mean, we all you know. depend on it i mean without it we're all fucking reduced to uh trading goods like buying things with goats and wheat and shit yeah i mean honestly the only probably the best solution i think would be to call your state representatives you know, sure. I mean, I mean, I, I think that's it's almost maybe a requirement at this point um, because, you, you know, it's not come, just yours. You think maybe they would come watch our kids? Is, is that what <laughs> <laughs> You definitely don't want them watching your kids. No, no, man. I mean, and, and that's and that's the answer is, OK, uh, we need to stop these incentives to stay home and not work. I, and, and honestly, I'm I think I'm much more liberal than you, but I, I, I do think that. Uh, you know, unemployment and disability and all of those sorts of, of welfare, I guess you can call them or, or whatever, those, those safety nets for people, they need to exist. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think everyone would agree to that general statement uh, to what level and to uh, uh, what extent those need to exist is, is the debatable part. Um, and I, I, I don't know where I fall on that, but I, I am certainly falling on the side of the way it is right now is not working and it's unsustainable. And all these businesses need to operate. 
uh, everyone's told to go back to normal life, start going out to restaurants again, start going back to stores, start going to do shit. Uh, but how are these businesses supposed to function if they can't hire anyone to serve you food or to uh, check you out at the grocery store? Or if no one wants to work, how the fuck are we all supposed to get things done? Well, I'll tell you what, I think that um, the states that are ending the additional uh, payment to the people, they're going to be the ones to thrive. And most likely, people are going to leave, start leaving the states that don't do that. As sad as that may be. Um, well, businesses will probably start leaving the states that don't do that. But the people who don't feel like working might leave the states who stop giving them free money and come yeah. to states that are giving them free money. Good point. Right? So it might create an exodus of businesses who want to actually do business, uh, getting the fuck out of states who are incentivizing people to sit at home and people who feel like sitting at home, uh, getting the hell out of states who are going to stop giving them free money to sit at home. And then eventually if that stops, which I don't see how it, it, it can continue forever. You're going to end up with a, a massive cohort of, I mean, as sad as it may be homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's all a fuck cycle. And, uh, you know, terms like socialism are loaded terms with all sorts of stuff. But I mean, that's, that's one of the most obvious downfalls of being, uh, dependent upon the government is, um, being at the will of the government, which states are willing to give you money and then having to change your life plan around which state's going to give me money because you don't want to work or working's not an option or, or I don't know, man, it creates all these terrible things. Um, and it sounds so cliche to say like a, a free market or some semblance of a free market is what makes America great. But, uh, seriously, that, that has what, that's what has made us such a prosperous nation is that opportunity for, um, success based on your own willingness and ability to go out and, and, you know, do a good job or create value and be a part of the, the, the machine, you know, go out and be a part of the economy. Uh, you don't need to, but that opportunity is there for those who want it. And if you feel like sitting the game out, you want to sit on the bench. Um, we don't want you just to go starve to death, but we don't want to pay you, uh, a huge chunk of money that just incentivizes you to choose that that sedentary life over an active life, like that's no way to get by as a society. This shit ain't working, man. You're right. And like you were saying, it's like um, the free market versus socialism, right? And, you know, we could say one versus the other. Um, but in reality, really what it is, is there's a balance. And ultimately, uh, free, th th there needs to be a good balance. You, ha you, ha you have to minimize suffering as much as possible where suffering sure. exists. And no right now people starving to death, uh, you know, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, what was the one statement that I heard that just rings so accurately true is that you can judge a country by how they treat their poor. And there's one other thing I'd like to add to that, you can also judge a country um, by how many poor they have, because I do think that the country has something to do with creating poor. Sure. Well, or maybe how a country treats their lazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's one of those subjects I, I have no idea how to deal with because, you know, I, how do you deal and vet people that just don't want to work from people that can't work? I mean, it's, it's almost an that impossible task. Well, okay. And, and I'm no, 
I don't know. I, I, it sounds easy to sit on my uh, uh, in my position and say, but there has to be some sort of a requirement involved for any sort of government uh, assistance. So whether that's unemployment, I know they ask you to show that you're trying to find a job, but it's so rudimentary that anyone can just fill in like, oh, yeah, I went and applied at three places last week or just throw in some nonsense into that column and it, 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 it gets approved and you're just sitting collecting unemployment without ever applying or ever interviewing for any kind of a job. Um, that needs to change. If you're unemployed and you're collecting unemployment, you should be actively looking for work. And the government should have programs that say like, hey, you've been on unemployment for six weeks and uh, you haven't showed any progress on getting a job, here's a job that you can do. Um, you can go pick up trash on the side of a freeway. Um, you can go and clean graffiti off the side of our public buildings, our libraries and post offices and stuff. You can do something and make that something, A, a requirement to continue collecting unemployment, and B, not the greatest job in the world, which would motivate you to go out and find something better. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, one difficulty with that is that for every person that you have where you're keeping tabs on to see that they're going out and interviewing, you have to hire a person to monitor them. True. Yeah. So now yeah. you're, you're building a, uh, a massive um, department or whatever in order to monitor these people to, to make sure they're being honest and, you know, I don't know exactly what the answer is. You know, some that's where sometimes people float out some sort of a universal basic income. But uh, really, it, it almost is like, you know, if you make under a certain amount, yeah, you should get a stipend. But I don't know what the answer is. It's not an easy it's not an easy uh, topic, really. But no, definitely no, has tough. to be a, a good mix of uh, free market and you know, you have to have the safety nets in some capacity sure. because you have well, and, you know, old people and they can't work. Oh, cool. Of course. And some people literally are uh, mentally or physically incapable to, to, to be expected to work. And I, I totally get that. Uh, I don't think everyone is equally able, um, but I know a lot of people who are perfectly able and, um, and pretending they're not, and it's really easy for them to do so. Yeah, that, that can be frustrating to, yeah. to see that. Of course, you don't live in, in their shoes, but at the same time, like I, you know, uh, I say that delicately because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because there are some instances, I think, where people might have some sort of a mental condition or something that is a little bit sure. obscure that for whatever reason, they, they can't, you know, they, they where they would appear to me to be totally fine. And I'm like, Hey, what's wrong with you? You need to get to work. And I don't know what's going on with them. And, and it's arrogant of me to assume I do. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. I just feel like there needs to be, um, a more stringent system in place that separates the people who truly need help from the people who are just taking advantage. And I don't know what that looks like. It's not my job to figure it out, but whoever's job it is to figure it out needs to get to fucking work. And we, we need to hire a team of people to do that. <laughs> like yeah. I said, it goes back to that, you know? And then you it's know, like... You know what? The, the team in charge of hiring that team is like, we have a help wanted banner hanging out front of our <laughs> office. No one's applying. <laughs> I, yeah, we're trying to build that team. We're trying to hire them right now. We have no idea. We Yeah, we're to... like, we get you. We need this. But look... <laughs> we're paying people to interview for this team. 
we're in such a yeah. rat's it's such a rat's nest right now i'm it is you man. know i sometimes it like is. just the the headache of the world that's going on right now i just uh, try but to avoid opportunity it. <laughs> sorts itself out. Water seeks its own level. And and as little as two years ago or a year and a half ago or whatever, uh, it wasn't the case. Sure, there were plenty of problems and people taking advantage of the system and all the shit we're bitching about right now. But uh, businesses could hire people for reasonable amounts of money because unemployment was not enough money to get by on. And now unemployment is is plenty of money to get by on for a lot of people. In a lot of cases, it's more money than they were making at their job or very close to the amount of money they would be making if they went back to work. Um, so if that's the case, why would they go back to work? And I'm, I, part of me says, like, I don't blame them. They, they're getting just as much money to sit on the couch as they would to go to work. Well, I don't blame them for not going to work. That's not entirely true. I do blame them because I think there's a certain shame factor involved in in accepting aid when you don't need it. but. On a general grand scale, how can we expect people to all just, you know, take a shower and go back to work when they just really don't need to? It's just as easy to sit at home and chill on the couch and collect damn near the same amount of money, if not more. That that system is not a good plan. To me, the only answer is to start getting involved um, with our states and start mm -hmm. um, grouping together and start making a fuss and say, look, you know, these are the situations that we're dealing with. You guys are making it more difficult by giving all this money out. Yeah. You know, and, and I think they actually, a lot of times they know that. Um, I, so I, I think it's become obvious now, and I'm sure wheels are in motion to correct that because it's a glaring problem and businesses have to be screaming for change because they're like, hey, we can't pay anyone to come to work. Um, but how quickly do those wheels actually um, start taking effect? And I think the sad answer is a long time. So it's going to take a while before they cut off those um, extra incentives, those kickers or whatever the state or the federal government is throwing in uh, for people who are affected by COVID. Um, how quickly, once it's decided that that needs to end or change, how quickly does that come into effect? And is it going to happen by next week? Because that's when we're losing our nanny. I don't, I don't think the answer is yes. Well, remember I was telling you the 28 states or 26 states or whatever that are ending that program at the same time that they announced that ending or or have ended the uh the job numbers went way up uh i think it was on thursday yeah. I, so, I would imagine as soon as people are told like hey you've got two more checks coming and that's it uh those people are going to hit monster.com immediately yeah that's what they that's that would be the easiest plan right there because that doesn't cost you any money all you're doing is announcing yeah. It, hey, it saves the, you money. Future, you said, hey, you know all end. that money we've been sending out? We're not sending it anymore. So that would is immediately save tons of money and stimulate the economy and help the business problem. And it, it would solve all of what we're talking about right now. Okay, so the, let me try to take the other side of the argument. Uh, is the idea of this extra incentive based around hey, people can't work because they lost their job from COVID. Is this all COVID related? Is That's what it is, right? This is like a COVID kicker, right? I, I, I can't be sure. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that when they're giving these incentives, they're get, they know how much you make because you don't get the incentive. So they, they know how much that you have that you're making, I think, uh, because they say like, you know. You lost your job from COVID or you can't, 
get a job because of COVID, right? No, no, no. People are getting extra money regardless of whether they lost their job or not. I know, well, even like the co- I know my COVID stimulus. Did. Like we've talked about that. Yeah, I mean that gets everybody. Even someone who's making ninety five grand a year, he gets a COVID check. Yeah, I, I never could understand that one. I don't get I, it. I, don't, I mean, because I my brother, know. who my, my brother and my uh, sister in law have had their jobs the entire time, mm-hmm. yet they got stimulus checks in some capacity. And you know, well, a I'm stimulus thinking, check I mean, is purely around stimulating the economy. It's literally like, hey, the economy needs an influx of spending, so everybody gets a thousand bucks. Go out and blow it on something. Uh, that stimulates the economy. So that's the idea there. Um, what I don't get is the unemployment assistance. If, if in the beginning, when every business was shut down, what was that, you know, March through May or June or whatever, before, before the, uh, the rollbacks and then the changes and then the back and forth and then some businesses complying and other businesses not, before all that nonsense, in the early days of COVID, everything shut down. Um, you had to wait in line at the grocery store. You couldn't even drive through at McDonald's. Everything was closed except the super essential stuff like grocery and gas. Uh, but even the, the fucking little mini market at the gas was closed. Anyway, when that happened, lots of people did lose their job. Every restaurant was closed, all of that stuff. So all of those employees did lose their job or were furloughed. And I totally get that. I, I think I even support giving them extra unemployment because regular unemployment is not really enough to live on and support your kids and pay your rent and do all that kind of stuff. So if the world shuts down or the whole country shuts down because of COVID, I I get that. You can't work. But that's not the case anymore. There's help wanted signs hanging everywhere. And I don't know if anyone can make the argument that, oh, yeah, I lost my job due to COVID and I'm out of work because of COVID. Like, really? Uh, open your window and look outside because every business within walking distance is begging you to come and take their money. Yeah, it, I mean, and small business, man, have they not suffered enough already through this? Because through the entire oh, thing, God. somehow, you know, Target's open, Walmart's open, Costco's open, Kroger's open, Rouse is open, the big th- company's open, but the small one's got to close. I never did yeah. understand that. It, it just yeah. So that, you've got a you've got a small boutique swimsuit shop. Uh, you were told you had to shut down, but, uh, Target also sells bread and milk. So they're considered essential, uh, and they're selling all the swimsuits. So your direct competitor, uh, is open and, and prospering and you are forced to be shut down. That ain't right. No, that, that wasn't right. That was a really bad call uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And it really devastated small business. Small business is just, I mean, it's already difficult. A lot of times when you have a small business, just to meet totally. your payroll. And, you know, uh, you have so many expenses in a small business. So, you know, we had uh, a small business. We had two small businesses in the past, some fitness studios. And they, mm-hmm. you know, what you bring in, uh, most of it goes out towards expenses through payroll and everything. I mean, yeah. especially if you want to be a good employer. And we were, you know, it, it, or I think we were, I think people would agree that we were. It, um, it's hard enough. And then to be shut down for six months because you're, you're deemed as non-essential, even though just because you're not big enough to lobby to keep your own place open, it just, uh, it, it really was, um, a poor decision to say the very least, I think. Yeah. It was a knee jerk reaction. Uh, and a lot of people were devastated. And I think you're right. The majority of those people were small businesses, uh, that, 
that are essentially getting by month to month. None of these companies, none of these small businesses had crazy deep pockets like a Target or a Costco where they could weather the storm. Uh, Like, I'm sure it didn't hurt McDonald's a ton to shut down for however many months they shut down. Sure, I'm sure it affected their stock in some form, but they're fine. McDonald's isn't 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 uh, in trouble. Um, But the mom and pop diner, uh, a lot of those ended up dying as a result. And uh, that sucks. See, out here, I didn't see any McDonald's shut down or I don't remember seeing any fast food shut down. Any like even right like the, the March, April time or anything. Um, huh. no, I, I live in a different part of the country than you do, but yeah. no, no, the, uh, definitely oh, a lot man, of the yeah. small businesses that are, you know, it, it, things are different here. There's a little bit more freedoms that they allow the people, um, because mm-hmm. they kind of demand it more. And, um, I'd have to say most of small businesses just probably didn't shut down. There, there were times where like, okay, hometown buffet obviously they they went out of business i think buffets dude that that was one thing where a lot of a lot of businesses were just like decimated but buffets man that have they even come back yet i mean can you go to a buffet now i wonder i uh, probably in your state yeah i i I don't know if i can here in california no i i I think they ended up shutting down here as well just because you know people we're like, yeah, I, I think a buffet is probably going to be one of those things people look back on and say, oh, you guys did what? You had a buffet. Yeah, you mean you all went up and just scooped food out of one community trough? Like, huh, <laughs> that sounded like a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, I saw a sizzler that went out of business uh, during COVID out here. I have seen other sizzlers that have made it through, um, but uh, yeah, I did see a sizzler. And oh, I, that when was. I saw it. It was all boarded up. I went, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Was that your sizzler? I, I, I mean, I got nothing against sizzler. They're fine. I have fond memories of sizzler from when I was a kid, but I don't go to sizzler. Yeah. I mean, actually, I remember sizzler when I was a kid as being way better than it is now. Yeah, uh, it was. Or is it is that real or is that just my imagination as a kid? Because back then macaroni and cheese was like a thing. And now I'm just kind of like, eh, there's no choices. No, I don't want any of this shit. I don't want chicken wings or macaroni and cheese. I'll eat them, but it's not really what I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, I don't know. But I, I have the same memory as you that Sizzler was like the premium. You know, like if you had went a lot to- more options like pizza and, and make your own taco station. And uh, I don't know, a lot of stuff. And now it's just kind of like eh, salad and chicken wings. All right. Well, I would only go to a Sizzler to get a steak. I don't think I've ever been to a Sizzler in the past and not gotten a steak. It was kind of yeah. the purpose. When for I was going a kid, I Sizzler. just I just got the buffet when I was a kid. I don't think I ordered steaks. Now, if I go to Sizzler, which my wife and I did go to one, uh, I'm going to say a couple of years, but it was probably seven years ago because <laughs> that's how my my terrible concept of time works these days. Uh, we went to one and. Uh, I was disappointed with seeing the buffet like, oh, wow, I re- remember this being better. This looks pretty, pretty weak. But I did the same. Like you said, I ordered a steak and added the buffet and went and got a few things. But none of it really looked that good. Sorry, Sizzler. Um, I assume you're not going to sponsor our show now. I think Sizzler was probably uh, overtaken by Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. Outback's not a buffet, is it? They just they just do menu ordering, right? They're well, I never really buffet. remember. I don't personally remember Sizzler being a buffet, but it's been a long oh. time since I've been to one. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's their thing is a buffet and salad bar. And yeah, they always have you order from the menu, but uh, buffet and salad bar has been a central piece of their business. Yeah. But you don't get a but steak then, at the buffet, right? You don't go and say. No, you, you order a steak and then you add on the buffet for like a few bucks more or something. Growing up, uh, I never really went to many restaurants or anything. That was like something that kind of uh, rich people did. Like, and I mean, we weren't, we, we had everything that we needed. We weren't like poor. Yeah. But we definitely didn't do things like Sizzler and, you know, things like no. that. Yeah. You know. Like going out to a restaurant was a thing. It was either someone's birthday or uh, it was a thing. It was a, uh, a celebration or at least a, a big deal to go out and go to a Sizzler or, or God, I mean, even as a kid, going to McDonald's was a big deal. Back when they used to have like big play, they had big playgrounds and stuff. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, I remember throwing a birthday party when well, my parents threw the birthday party at McDonald's. And then even all the, the characters came like uh-huh. Ronald McDonald and the, the fry guy and Grimace and all the, uh, the McDonald's characters were all there. Yeah. I remember yeah. that too. Yeah. The, the big playground that they had out there and yeah, uh, the balls, uh, the, the ball pit and you yep. play in and yeah. And like the, the tube tower that you climb all up in the tubes and look out the window from above and wave down at your parents. And yeah, that was some fun shit. Grimace yeah. and Ronald McDonald. Grimace. What a weird name for a kid's character. Like a grimace is like a sad face, right? Like, uh, oh, if someone like pooped on your dinner plate, you'd grimace. You'd you'd make a revolted, uh, uh, taken aback look, right? That's a grimace. Yeah. It, well, and he doesn't look so happy either. He's a little what, bit. What's the fucking problem, dude? You're you're, <laughs> McD- you're at McDonald's. Come on, dude. Put on a smile, grimace. I guess they wanted their Eeyore. Oh, oh, he's the he's the antagonist of the group. Yeah, he's the complainer, I guess. Uh, maybe All he's right. the the rainy day on Ronald McDonald's day. Oh. Huh. Wow. Like, what's your problem? You come to kids' birthday parties all day. You eat free fries. What's so bad? Come on. Lighten up, Grimace. Yeah, we, we need a little bit of a backstory, Grimace. Just Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to know what give went you wrong in your life. Yeah. Did, did your dad like used to beat you or something? Or do you have some like, you know, do, do you got some, do you got some dark pages in your history? Like what's, what's going on here? What's, what's you know what we should do? Grimace? We should go, we should go to a McDonald's and we should, uh, interview the, the employees. I'm sure they know. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I would, I would bet you money. If you walked into a random McDonald's and asked the person right there at the register who Grimace is, they'd look at you like you're crazy and go, what's Grimace? Yeah, you just say I like, bet they don't hey, even know. So tell me the backstory of Grimace, uh, along <laughs> with or, uh, ringing up those large fries. What, what's like, Grimace's problem? They're like, what? Uh, yeah, like what's? I mean, it. it uh, I, he seems like he's having a bad day. What's What's going on with Grimace these days? What's going on? What's up? We should do that as an experiment. That'd be pretty funny. That would be. I'll fun. walk that's in. Like to- yeah. That's like yeah. Tom Green stuff. Yeah. <laughs> No, he 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 would do something a little a little more gross, but but yeah, wh- I mean, what do you think would happen? I, I I seriously think the person you ask would have no idea what you're talking about. They wouldn't. There's no way. Mm-mm. Or do you He's, think that's yeah. part of like McDonald's Burger Camp? You know, when you get hired, you go off to like Burger School or something. Do they do they teach you about Grimace? Do they tell you the backstory? Um, how much of that training is Grimace based? 
Highly doubtful. I, I have a feeling that uh, with the lack of employees they have now, they probably wouldn't uh, do too much of a grimace training. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you mean to tell me that they've entirely eliminated the grimace chapter of the employee handbook? You know what? I, I would I would be interested to, to seek that out. Well, kind of. Would I? I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested in it now, but like tomorrow, if someone called me and said like, Hey, I got some info on Grimace, I'd be like, yeah, I, I don't care anymore. That, that, that joke passed. Yeah. But I will say that right now with some Grimace info, I'm all ears. Yeah. Yeah. Very situational. I will say that the, <laughs> um, those happy meals though, was that not just a joy of light? Like when you pull up in that drive through and you get the happy meal, you're just like, Oh yeah. Just the little box that it came in. I don't even think uh, they come in those nice, pretty boxes anymore. But then the no, toy, no, I, I think now great. it's like a, I think like now it's like a bag that is, you know, got different printing on it, some sort of Happy Meal, whatever. I think it's just a bag now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is still that awesome little box, but I doubt it. Yeah, I, I don't think I remember seeing that. You know, every time you know, I go to McDonald's, it's like uh, there are always like teenagers working at McDonald's, and that mm-hmm. it, it concerns me. I, I would much rather have like. Um, adults work in there, you know, people that need the money rather than teens, just because I was once a teen too. And, uh, uh yeah, I don't want them handling my food. Yeah. You're like, I used to be you. I don't <laughs> trust you. I know what I did to food and I don't <laughs> want any part of that young man. I'm a cook at CNC. Yeah. But that, that's a, that's a gender thing, dude. Like if I see a teenage boy working at a restaurant, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, but if I see true. a teenage girl, I don't even think that. I'm just like, oh yeah. That's right. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Girls don't do that stuff. That That's a dude thing. And you want to tell the dudes, the teenage dudes, hey, make eye contact with me. Make eye contact. <laughs> like, oh don't, man. Don't be so sketchy back there. Let's see. You know, I want to oh. make sure you didn't spit on my fries, you little SOB. I want to see both your hands. What are you doing? What are you doing back there? Show me your hands. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's oh so God! Funny. You yeah. seen the movie Waiting? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, that, it was yeah, with, quite a while. I probably don't not going to remember any scenes, but that was great though. No, no, and, and yeah, it, yeah, with Ryan Reynolds, and Dane it's basically Cook. what goes on at a yeah, Dane Cook. That's right. <laughs> what goes on at at a restaurant with the people who work there and how they how they basically just handle everything and and the social interaction between restaurant employees like that movie nailed it. Uh, working at a restaurant is exactly like what that movie shows you. No exaggeration. It's exactly that. Um, and it's that terrible and that hilarious and that much fun and that risky for the people who unwillingly walk into that restaurant and order food. Uh, it is seriously exactly that. So wait, did did you work at CNC as well? Never on payroll, but I was there all the time. Uh, I went back and made my own food in the grill. I made my own drinks behind the bar. Uh so never actually work there, but totally work there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because you were, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were friends with the managers. I remember yeah. that. And yeah. uh, you would, yeah, you would talk to me and you would be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go hang out at CNC and just, uh, just chill. And yeah, before they open, because they only open for like dinner. So they wouldn't open up until like four o'clock or something like that. Uh, and they did all their prep work all morning, cleaning and prep and all that kind of stuff. So Brad, the manager, do you remember Brad Scott? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so Brad was the manager at the time, and he would call me up early in the morning, I don't know, like eight or nine, and and I was still hammered, sleeping off a party from the night before or whatever, and probably with Brad. And he'd call me <laughs> up and go, he'd say something like, Kazi, get down here and cook some burgers. 
I'm like, all right, Brad, I'll be there in a few. Uh, so then I would come down and start making some burgers. Well, as soon as I walked through the door, he would have an R&R ready for me, which was our drink there, which was a rum and root beer, Captain Morgan and root beer, uh, which is way better than rum and Coke, by the way. I don't know if you're a rum and Coke guy, do yourself a favor, try rum and root beer. It's, it's way better. Anyway, uh, I'd walk in the door, Brad would hand me an R&R and point me to the grill and I'd just start cooking, bur- cooking burgers for he and I and the two or three or four other friends who were doing the, the prep work that morning. And that would turn into Sega Dreamcast battles on the big screen in the bar. Uh, we would do like fishing competitions on the Sega Dreamcast and, and zombie shoot 'em up competitions on the Sega Dreamcast, make a bunch of drinks. Uh, and then if we opened at four, I think it was what the time was. But anyway, say 30 minutes before opening, we'd realize, oh shit, the doors are going to open in 30 minutes. We better like do some work. And so I would help. <laughs> slap together a quick uh salad bar and prep some of the food and and some of that and i swear by that time we were we were five or six hours into drinking r&r after r&r and we were just hammered (laughs) slapping together this this salad bar and and prepping the the restaurant it's amazing that that it stayed open as long as it did (laughs) because they went out of business didn't they they ended up uh, being shut down and demoed, and then they built a freeway off ramp where it used to be, or whatever. So it's not even there anymore. I, I don't know that it went out of business. Um, I think it was shut down because of that freeway project. Oh, and how and old were you any... during this? Eighteen or? Oh yeah, yeah. I was before twenty one, <laughs> and this is when I had a fake ID. So not that Brad gave a shit, or most of the other bartenders didn't give a shit. I was there so much; everyone knew me. I just i I made my own drinks when they were closed, and I just ordered drinks as much as I wanted when they were open. Uh, one bartender did care, uh, Rob. He was a really good guy, um, but also a really good employee, and uh, he cared. So Rob needed to see ID, and luckily I had a fake ID. Um, one that we had made at some little, um, back alley photo developing business in downtown LA off Alvarado street back in the day when we were kids, uh, I was probably 16 or 17 at the time. They take you into a little back alley photo booth, take a photo, make you a fake California ID right on the spot. And it looked pretty good. Wasn't perfect, but it looked pretty good. And it worked everywhere. Uh, I showed Robbie that ID. He was like, all right, Mike, you're good, man. And I drank there. Uh, for years, once I was cleared with Robbie, I was already cleared with everybody else. So it was just game on and I could go there anytime they were open, order drinks and, and be good to go. And then after about, God, four or more years of that, I was, I was, I was, a, a fixture of that place. I might as well have been a bar stool. I was there all the time. And I went there on the night of my 21st birthday and uh, I walked in the, I went into the bar like we I always did. I, think I, I, I knew yeah. everybody, and it was just another night at Cask and Cleaver. And I uh, went up to the bar, and um, uh, I don't remember how we told Rob, or if someone else told Rob, or whatever. But essentially, Rob became aware that I was there celebrating my 21st birthday, and his reaction was so great. It was he just looked at me and he was like, "Mike, really? Like you've been fucking lying to me all this time?" And I just kind of gave him one of these smiles and shoulder shrugs, like, "Dad, sorry, Rob." You know, what are you going to do? But I'm 21 now, so you can't kick me out. It was a, a funny, it was a funny interaction there. I think and, I was uh, there. I'm sure you night. were. Yeah, I, I, I faintly remember that 
that interaction right there that that night that specific night um yeah it was a fun night and i'm sure we just did a bunch of karaoke that night like we did most nights and uh that was a great bar that was our hangout man that was our cheers that was a big part of my childhood and uh i loved it there yeah that was uh there were a lot of good times there and all the characters that that came there too and uh all the, yeah it's fun you know, yeah. all the all the all the regulars who become a part of your life and then all the uh you know fleeting people who come in and out of of the circle there and then even the randoms who are only there for one night that you don't know and all the fun you can have with a newbie um a lot of fun man a lot of great stories a lot of wildness so glad that uh that i got to enjoy that place while it was there it was a yeah good yeah corona was just a, a great city i mean it probably still is i just don't live there anymore but uh it, it really was I, there was a lot of good times in corona it was pretty crazy too it really was. But then I kind of wonder, was Corona crazy or were we crazy? And I, and I think the answer is we were crazy. That's true. And that's like most people in their teens and 20s. We were absolute madmen and we found the crazy. Uh, we sought it out and discovered it or created it if we couldn't find it. Um, so I'm sure Corona is just what we made it because now we're old and boring. And, you know, I'm sure we can go to all these same places or try to stir up the same sort of uh, entertainment and it wouldn't be anywhere near as awesome as it was in our teens and twenties. Yeah. The biggest evidence that I had for us being crazy was when we visited San Diego, just because San Uh, Diego was such a massive contrast. Uh, If you want to know the backstory, I think that was in episode one, but uh, it was such a massive contrast to like how we behaved because I, I really didn't realize at the time, but like San Diego is kind of like the the hipster uh, East Coast, I would say. They might hopefully they don't take offense to that, but I f- I feel it's a little bit more preppy. I should say it's a preppy yeah. Los Angeles. It, it's oh a preppier Los Angeles, right? Yeah. See, I think yeah. it's almost more like a a chill beach LA. Like to me, LA is pretty preppy. Uh, really, but then San Diego is is more of a beach vibe. So I th- I feel like it's the preppy LA meets uh, stonery reggae beach vibe. Uh, a little bit of that. Yeah, I w- San Diego is a little more refined. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, uh-huh. I think we're we're probably just crossing uh, our terms here, but uh, LA is a little bit more punk, a little bit un- more unrefined. And okay. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I feel like San Diego, I feel like, in, here's the, the kicker. I feel like in San Diego, it matters what you wear if you're going to fit in. Like, mm. there are certain shoes in San Diego that are San Diego shoes. You know, you've seen them, the low tops, the, the, the ankle, like, tight, kind of yeah. like low ankle shoes, shoes that they wear over there. And, like, uh-huh. everybody wears that over there. But in L.A., everybody wears everything. There is n- nothing is off off limits but la is la is also very clicky right like if you dress this way like if you dress like a punk you're a punk and you're going to hang out with other punks you're accepted in that group but you're looked upon as a punk from other groups or you could be the kind of uh metro-y preppy kind of a dude and then you're in that click sort of thing so la is pretty clicky isn't it i don't experience it that way it's funny how we're no. we're clashing on our experience I, I feel like la is like uh well, the, the way it was explained to me, like when I moved there, I, I moved there like permanently kind of late. Of course, um, you and I hung out when we were kind of kids, too. But um, when I finally ended up moving there, it was explained to me like, 
you know, and, and this was kind of a California thing, but you know, I, I, I am incorporating Corona and LA together a little bit, but, uh, Oh, LA is not going to appreciate that, dude. <laughs> You're right. No, it, no. <laughs> it, Corona's Corona is actually not going to appreciate that probably more. Oh, uh, but it, if you know how to party, you can kick it. That was basically what was told to All me. Right. It's like, Hey, in here, if you know how to, if you can party, you can kick it. Like anybody well, will hang well, out I'll take with your anybody. word for it because you actually lived there where I only visited. So, um, I, I, I think your opinion matters more. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some, mm, yeah, there's, there's persona, there's different ways to dress in LA and there's, I mean, it's such a wide array of people in Los Angeles. Well, that's probably also your own perception too, because if you want to be clicky, you can find a click. But if you are uh, just looking to be cool with everybody, I think you'll be you'll find that most people are are cool with you. Um, and I think now that I'm really thinking about it, LA is it feels less clicky to me than like Orange County. Uh, Definitely. Orange County feels much more clicky and you'd be looked at as an outsider if you're not very OC, if you're not very into the dress and way of talking and way of living that Orange County people associate with themselves, then you're definitely an outsider and you could probably kick it, but you're, you're an outsider. You're different. Whereas in LA, I think you're right. And maybe because people come from all over the world to be in LA, it's a melting pot, um, inherently, so maybe it's just more that way. And I guess I, I've, I've got a lot of experiences of being in L.A., like playing shows for the most part. That was what t- brought me to L.A. for the most part. Um, we would go play shows all over L.A. Key Club, the whiskey. All over. Oh, yeah, like downtown Hollywood. Yeah, the Key Club, the whiskey, the the uh, uh, the Roxy. Um, what was the other one? The Palace. That was a fun one. Uh we would end up talking to a lot of bands, a lot of fans, a lot of just people while we hung out before or after we actually played and ended up having great conversations and great times with people of all sorts of different quote unquote clicks, you know, uh, preppies or punks or metalheads or fucking essays or whatever, you know, I mean, everyone was generally cool. Sure. There's always random assholes in any group or area, but, uh, for the most part, everyone was fucking cool. And, you might be shotgunning beers behind a behind a uh, a club mm-hmm. with some fucking Hessian guy or or you know some gay couple or um some like Chinese metalhead or who knows, dude. Everyone Absolutely. Was, was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it could be anything. LA's odd. Yeah, that that's what that is definitely one of the really cool things about LA is just the the amount of diversity. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, I, I, like I will that. say, I will say in one difference that I have, that's probably somewhat substantial in my re- growing up is that uh, I spent a, a good amount of time on the East coast as well. And mm-hmm. if you want to see a dichotomy, uh, look, compare the East coast versus the West coast. That is really like opposite ish i mean east coast couldn't be clickier like you have to wear certain shoes like if you are if you're Mm. a jock you know you you have like a a limited amount of uh 
if you want to be labeled a jock and you kind of, uh, you know, you hang out with right. your friends, you if know, that's, you, if you gotta, that's your group and you want to be accepted in that group, you better conform to the very short list of things that they are willing to accept you wear. Uh, and here's your shopping list. Yeah. Don't it, deviate from it. That's right. I mean, you're really cool if you could wear a polo, like the actual polo brand, like back mm. when I went to school, like polo was great. And it's not that you had to wear polo, but. Oh, no. You, you better could be not ostracized co- if you choose that. Yeah, you could choose to be a complete nerd that everyone hates and not wear a polo shirt. You know, or, well, you can't you can't wear a shirt that might like instead of a, the polo symbol, you can't have like a penguin symbol. Oh, you know, oh, like oh, if you just do like, that, nice like, shirt, penguin boy. Yeah. <laughs> that gets paid attention to. Your shoes get uh, paid attention to. You have to wear Doc Siders or the penny loafers. This, you know, I'm aging myself here, but sure. you know, you had to like wear Bugle Boys. You couldn't wear an off-brand of Bugle Boy. You you had to wear. Uh, uh, Swatch. You can't have a. You can't have a switch. You have to wear a swatch. Man, dude, I I hate that shit. I do too. Uh, and, and it's it's inevitable. I mean, it's arrogant to say like, uh, or or to pretend that I'm above it. Um, I I know that that sort of like need to fit in in certain groups and all that uh, affects us all uh, to some degrees different than others. Um, but we all buy into some sort of a style or group or clique or, or, uh, um, you know, uh, style that we associate with or thinking of ourselves in a certain way. We all do that. We yeah. all pick our shoes because we think they're cool. And the reason we think they're cool is because we associate them with what we want to be or who we want to be. Like. Our tribe, right? Yeah. The, the tribal yeah. thing that we, no one can say they don't. Um, but the fact that my kids are going to grow up and have to make those choices, bothers me and there's no way around it there's no avoiding it um but i i wish there was some way to create uh, a life where they didn't have to worry about someone looking at their shoes and judging them based on it um but i know that's impossible i also know it's probably not even the best for them like it's probably good that they're forced to be judged by society because that's just the way society is. So you better get used to it young and, and all that you have to deal with those sorts of judgy assholes and learn how to deal with them. And, and that's all part of life. It just, it sucks having to think about your kids being required to deal with that sort of pressure. Uh, it does. So point it's so pointless, but it's not because it's ingrained in our human nature to be tribal. I get that. Uh, it just sucks. You know, like, I guess I imagine a scenario where my kid's going to go to school um, wearing shoes that I bought him and they're not going to be the right shoes. And someone's going to make him feel like shit about those shoes. And he had no choice because I bought him those shoes and I didn't know any better because I'm fucking old. And uh, I'm going to feel terrible about that. Well, that's probably going to end pretty soon. My daughter being six, I can't buy her shoes. She won't. She's oh. got to sign off on it. Oh, when did that start? That start no, you know, it started pretty young for her. She's always been a little fashionista, really, where she'll just like she knows what she wants to wear, and she has good style too. It's it's pretty interesting uh, to watch her like function and grow up, just because she knows how to match colors appropriately. She never clashes colors. Mm -hmm. She's not like when I grew up. I could care less if I'm wearing burgundy pants and a red shirt. Didn't matter to me, but, <laughs> but uh, for her, you know, well, one thing I didn't like, I didn't like like corduroys and like my mom tried to one time put flares on me, which are like the, uh, 
a variation of bell bottoms. <laughs> oh. I, I remember that time where I was like literally crying before school, like, no, mom, I, I don't want to wear those. I can't wear oh, the, those flares. And she's like, they're not bell bottoms, they're flares. I'm like, no, it's, you know, it might make it be a difference for you, but these flares are bell bottoms and everybody in school is going to think they are. That yeah. was sixth grade. That was, I was 12 at oh, that time, man. but. So I guess it happens when you start going to school or, or even just start interacting in a social circle uh, on a regular basis, because even if you start going to like daycare every day, I bet that begins um, making its way into your decision making is, will this be accepted by the group that I see every day? Um, and as you get older, what you're wearing matters more and more. So it probably started for her. I, I, I I'm thinking as soon as she started going to preschool uh, school preschool yeah mm -hmm. i All think right. she's one of the ones that uh kind of is the uh trendsetter in a way um not to be all gloatful and be like my daughter's a trendsetter I, she kind of is though i think i think she okay she knows what to wear and um uh she she knows what she wants come, to wear like even someone who in her what, what grade is she in she's still in preschool or kindergarten or she's going to first grade uh, this year yeah coming up so in first grade assuming that she is one of the trendsetters in first grade she's still not imagining what to wear on her own she's seeing what maybe pop stars she likes or tv shows with people on it whose style she likes i, I imagine she's cherry picking ideas from someone she looks up to and then working that into her own style and then maybe that style is rubbing off as a as a as a trendsetter in her own first grade group that could be, that could be, I, be, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Where else is she going to get that from? I mean, she watches like YouTube shows with Addie and sure. Maya where these two yeah. girls are kind of like a reality show. It's pretty, it's a pretty, uh, um, good show. They're probably uh, stylish. They probably have their own kind of style thing going on. I'm sure. Yeah. They, they play around and they'll glitter their hair and they'll do stuff like that. And she definitely uh -huh. likes to do that stuff too, where she's glittering her yeah. hair and, you know, getting into that. But all that is based around our animal need or our tribal need to be accepted and be a part of a group. And we're just figuring that shit out. I mean, sure, a six-year-old's figuring it out. But even you and I, dude, at our advanced age, we're still figuring that out. Uh, we're still taught things um, on a tribal level all the time. We're, we're, we're collecting that info and putting it to our own use all the time, totally subconsciously. You know, it, yeah, it's like uh, within our tribe, we're trying... And I say we're trying, I say this loosely because a lot of times I don't feel like I'm so much doing this. I'm not trying to climb the ladder like within a tribe. Uh, I'm, I think I'm a little more secure than that sometimes, but I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm, I don't see something about myself. Uh, or maybe but, trying to perpetuate our own self image. Like I still dress like I did in the 90s or the early 2000s when I was young and cool and becoming myself and cared about this stuff. So when that period of my life happened, uh, I was into skate punk and I played in a skate punk band. I lived in the skate punk life, the SoCal skate punk scene. So that's a whole lot of like Vans brand. Um, a lot of like back then was like Billabong. Stussy, uh, all of those Stussy. Sorts of, Stussy for me was younger. That was like in, in elementary school. And yeah, Stussy was awesome for like a fucking two and a half year period. It was the it brand. And then it became uh, uh, less cool. And, and then you ended up finding it at like Kmart and stuff. And that's when it died. Um, but yeah, like Vans, like that style, Converse, that sort of thing was, was the 
the style that I associated with. And so now, even as an adult, I find myself buying van shirts and uh, that sort of thing. And I don't know that I'm doing it because I think it's cool today or I'm trying to fit into a tribal group now. I think I'm almost trying to perpetuate my self-image that was created back then. Like I'm stuck in those times. Um, Or I just feel like that's me, even though it's just what I decided to make myself back then. But now I've been doing it so long. Now I just feel like I like Vans shirts. So I buy the Vans brand and I feel like me wearing Vans. Um, But that's an interesting thing to kind of think about. Like, why do I feel like me when I wear Vans? Um, Yeah. And and it's because I I became me during that era, I guess. Weird. Well, and and now like when you, if you're going out in public and you look down at your own clothes, you don't want to be surprised or question it. You don't want to say, oh, that those shoes look weird on me. Or, you know, I'm not used to wearing this kind of shirt. You know, this is like a fluffy pirate shirt. I feel kind of uncomfortable in this. You know, you want to. <laughs> I don't want to be a pirate. I don't want to be a pirate. I don't want to wear bell bottoms. Oh, God. Yeah. And I think most part, I mean, uh, maybe pirate shirt aside, but most clothing or shoes that that you think look super stupid and very obvious and oh this isn't me at all i don't think anyone else is noticing it at all i don't think anyone else gives a shit especially at our age you're in line at the grocery store or whatever and you're wearing a shirt that you don't think is cool it might be bothering you but i don't think anyone in that store is noticing Derek's shirt i don't think anyone's going like well that guy's wearing a dorky shirt i mean unless it's obviously you know, way too big or way too small and doesn't fit right or just like a super obvious lame shirt. But if it's just a logo that you don't feel comfortable wearing, you're not associating with that culture, I don't think anyone else looks at your shirt and notices. But I know it bothers you. It certainly bothers me if I'm wearing a shirt I don't like. And it feels like everyone's judging me uh, based on my lame shirt. And that's weird. Yeah, That's all self-image. That's all ego. It is. You know, I think that uh, here's one example for me that I, I can't do. And you can do this. I, you, know, you can pull it off. And I don't know if I can't pull it off just because it doesn't look good on me or I don't feel like it looks good on me or what. Or it's more of the situation like you're talking about uh, where I just don't feel comfortable with it. But mm-hmm. shirts that are kind of loud that have a message that might say mm-hmm. like, I am... Iron Man or, you know, just a funny shirt that might have like a, a logo on just that that gets somebody's attention where they look at the shirt and they go, oh, what does this shirt mm. say? I don't want anybody looking at my shirt to see what my shirt says. Maybe that's the uncomfortable part. Like, I don't want people looking at me. I want to be completely innocuous. I want to walk through Home Depot and I don't want anybody to pay any attention to me. I want to go back to my car. I want to go have my license plate that doesn't have a custom license plate on it with my truck that doesn't have any stickers on it. Make it make it like identifiable. I want to breeze in and out of wherever I'm going and blend in. That's part of your introverted nature. Yeah, Uh, I would say so. Right. Like a, like a simple, a simple response to that. I think that's just part of your introverted nature where when you're picking out a shirt at the store or in your closet to wear that day, you're probably picking a shirt that a, this shirt fits me. It looks cool, but it's not an attention grabber. It's forgettable. It's, it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the shirt. It's, it's not weird or bad or great. It's not any of those things. It's, it's just good enough. It's just a shirt. It works. And nobody's going to approach me and ask me what that shirt means. You're right. Yeah. That's what I don't want. Hey, what does your shirt shirt mean? Yeah. I used to be, when I was young, I used to be very, uh, I used to want that attention. 
when I was in my, my, my band heyday years, I wanted to wear a shirt that would be um, controversial or cause attention or, yeah, just basically cause people to pay attention to me and notice my shirt. So anything that would um, get attention, whether it was a bright, weird color or a weird design or a statement that was, uh, you know, uh, illicit or shocking or just attention grabbing in any way, I was all about that. Not so much anymore. I don't really want the attention anymore. It feels like work. So for the most part, I just wear like Vans t-shirts um, because it feels like me. But I think same as you, it's just I don't, I don't want anyone really noticing. I don't want anyone thinking like, oh, that's an awesome shirt or, oh, that shirt's fucking annoying or offensive or that guy's shirt sucks. I don't want anyone noticing my shirt. I think I just wear a Van shirt what? and not even the crazy Van shirts that have all kinds of elaborate designs. Like, ah, I just I just want a simple Van shirt. That's that's what I think of myself as. That's what I want. What statement is he trying to make with that shirt? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, yeah. Like yeah. Just with, uh, a, yeah, with I, a statement that's meant to be funny, but it's really not funny. Like, I don't know. Or I can't think of a good example. I, I guess the best I can do right now off the top of my head is like, imagine like a black shirt that says like, uh, it's my world. You're just living in it. You know, to me, yeah. that person wants attention. And when I see it, at least the kind of attention you're going to get is, you're a douchebag. Uh, you're an idiot. You're immature. And I'm already bothered by you. And I haven't even met you. I just saw you <laughs> from across the room and I read your shirt and I already don't like you. Like you're throwing up a flag of repulsion, in my opinion. Oh, man. You know, have I'm sure you've experienced this too. But, you know, when you kind of like, uh, I don't know, you're flying on a plane or whatever. You're in public. You're in a very public place. And you meet somebody and you're like, how can somebody live with this person? And <laughs> they're annoying me so much within this five minutes. Like oh, how man. this person lives with people. How, how could this be? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You just overhear them talking and the way they explain things or they're revealing all sorts of, of information about themselves by what they're saying and how they're saying it. And all you can think of is, uh, it must suck to be anyone associated with you for any length of time. Yeah. I've spent, I'm spending yeah. five minutes with this person and they are like, like nails on a chalkboard. And how have you gotten through life like this? I can't, I can't imagine. And then, you know, it, I'm not talking about just like they're striking, they're doing something just to annoy me. Like, Oh, like whatever it may be. I mean, this is something that, where they're annoying everybody, you know, they're oh, yeah, on the yeah, plane no, their, and their personality their... sucks. And you know, they're like that all the time. And then you look next to them and there's the poor sap who married them. And you're just like, Oh God damn. I'm sorry, man. Or woman, uh, must suck to be you. I saw this one lady on the plane, uh, last time when I went to Denver and I don't know, I, I, I kind of liked her. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I even talked to her, but it, I liked her boldness. But then it was funny because on the plane, she was like the kids were uh, starting to make a little bit of noise. <laughs> she just yells like, shut up. <laughs> so I immediately, immediately like, well, first of all, immediately people on the plane laughed audibly. <laughs> they, they were like... <laughs> people people just couldn't keep it in and and my eyes go straight from her right to her husband and i'm like i'm i'm 
scouring. I'm like looking at his response. I'm like, I got to see what his response is. And he was just totally glazed over. Like, oh. like as, oh. as if he didn't hear it, right? Like, so he's, I, he's, it happens so often, so often that he's just numb to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. Because, you know, it, it, so, but he's the kind of, he's, he was a quiet guy. And I think, I think it kind of bothered him if I was going to take a guess, if I was going to guess that I, it, if I ask him, like, hey, does that bother you? I'd say it was probably a yes. But, <laughs> you know, I think this guy is just, uh, I don't know if he's he's definitely probably mo- the more subversive person in the, in the uh, relationship, but oh, I, just, oh, yeah, I love like, watching those dynamics. So he's probably fought that battle uh, countless times and come to the conclusion that he can't win and it's not worth the effort and he just needs to either leave or tolerate it. And this is him tolerating it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like you know what? Uh, it's my fault. It's my fault for marrying her. I'm sorry, everybody. There's nothing I can do. The best you can do is just sit here and suck it up and shut up like I'm doing. I'm setting an example of tolerance. I'm sorry. It, it is funny, too, to watch uh, couples sometimes. And uh, and that's part yeah. of the, the joy about like going out to eat and stuff, too. I, I imagine I, I, I think Sarah is probably just like Megan in a way where um, if you guys go out to dinner She's observing, right? Is she observing the oh, other tables yeah. and stuff? Oh, my gosh. She she notices everything about everyone and <laughs> speculates on things that have nothing to do with what's going on. But she'll just, like, things like she'll, she'll go like, I bet that guy's up to something. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that guy over there that just, like, took his tray over to the trash can and dumped it and walked <laughs> away? Like, what? What tipped you off to that? But she's pretty damn intuitive. I, I don't know that yeah. she's always right, but she's usually right. Like, yeah. what, as soon as she says that about something, then I start looking at the guy like, yeah, what's, what's he up to? You sketchy little guy over there. Yeah. I, he seemed totally normal to me a second ago, but now that you say it, it does look a little fishy. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll when, when we go to dinner, um, it's funny because Megan will – she she needs the chair obviously that has the biggest view of the people and oh. i know what she's doing because I, so i just uh-huh. i take the one with my back facing the door or whatever the the kind of the crappy seat because i know she thoroughly enjoys uh paying attention to the landscape right. and uh and you you just kind of like whatever i don't really care i just want to eat food you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind having a good seat, but, uh, and I, I look sometimes too, but you know, I'll be talking to her and I could tell if sometimes I'm like, this is going in one ear, picking up speed and going out another. She's not listening to me. <laughs> so then I press her. I'm like, who, you know, who are you listening to? And she's listening to the, to the people behind her or like next to her. She's, she's fully in the conversation. She's fully in the conversation. Just oh not, my God. not looking that way. She's looking at me. And then I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. And then, and then I'm like, what? And she's like, I'll tell you later. And the thing that bothers me, she's not going to tell me later. She's going to forget or something. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, tell me now. Cause you're not going to tell me later because she'll be making faces like during the conversation <laughs> while they're having, I'm like, what you got to tell me? She's like, Ooh, Ooh. And then she even makes it worse by kind of like, you know, having a little bit of a reaction to it too. But yeah, it's just you're like, funny. I have to know. I tell me, tell me what's going on here. Yeah. Fill me in, man. You can't just, you can't leave me in the dark like that. But, oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, Oh, this is the first date or she's like, 
uh, especially like she, I think the one that she likes the most are like first dates kind of situations or where people don't really know each other and they're like sharing oh, yeah. an uh, uncomfortable awkwardness. And so, <laughs> oh man, that, that kind of stuff is interesting. I try not to be a looky loo and, and, and I, I, but aren't we all to some extent? And yeah, in those scenarios, when you notice something where it's like, oh, these people are just getting to know each other. Like, I mean, first date is an interview for sex, basically. So it's 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 interesting <laughs> to see how people interact on in an encounter like that. Uh, and and uh, to be a fly on the wall is totally interesting for that sort of thing. And yeah, I, I don't blame her. That That is kind of fun and interesting. But yeah, Sarah is the exact same way where she's always observing everyone. She'll totally listen in. And sometimes I'll be explaining something or whatever, and she'll, she'll just cut me off, uh, or I can tell she's not listening. And, and <laughs> there's no point in talking to her when she's engaged in whatever is going on around her. That's obviously way more interesting than me, is, is, is what I can tell. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and we're married, so it's like there's a reason we're going out to dinner. You're going out to dinner to, to be part of uh, eating as a group, but as a subgroup. It's kind of fun. Do you, oh yeah, you guys go yeah, to dinner. No, totally. You guys do do dinners. Well, you you know, and you don't have a babysitter now, so it's well, probably a sore subject. Well, we're, but. we're restricted in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons, but uh, I mean, we were staying super safe through the the first COVID wave, so we didn't go out to restaurants during that whole time. Then, when it all started looking a little better, we started going out to restaurants, but the opportunities to do that were very few and far between because, you know, you got to call in the troops and, and bring out the grandparents or hire a nanny or whatever to come and watch the kids for just a couple of hours. And even extended babysitting sessions, if they were available, we didn't have that option open to us because she's been breastfeeding uh, almost nonstop from the first baby. And then as soon as the second baby was born, now breastfeeding him. So that's a like every two to three hour at most uh, commitment. So at most, we can run out for a quick bite before the baby's ready for his next feeding. And it always has to be pretty early because we got to get home in time to, like, make the uh, two-and-a-half-year-old dinner. Uh, so we work with very small time windows, and they're infrequent due to childcare opportunities and uh, during the COVID times. So, yes, we go out to dinner, but not very often and very quickly. And not to Mexican. Uh, we do go to Mexican. We actually went to Mexican last night. Really? I thought that, uh, I thought she didn't like Mexican food because you um, had that one really good, me- remember that re- Mexican restaurant down the hill? Maria I went to a yeah, few times. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we've gone there since then. She's not, it's not her first choice. She gets kind of heartburn a lot and Mexican food kind of makes her feel shitty pretty often. But um, we do go. Uh, I love that place. They got great Mexican food. You love that place because they bring you two salsa, two salsa bowls. We don't have to share salsa. Yeah, that was great. That was like super. Yeah, uh, they yeah, know what's up. I, I don't need to be holding your hand and sharing salsa with you. Uh, no, and I want to double dip, and I can't do that if you're drinking out. Of, you're eating out of my salsa bowl, so give him his old fucking salsa bowl. I love it that they see two dudes sit down to dinner. They bring us one big basket of chips and two salsas, and Derek was just like, "Yeah, this is my spot. I like this. It's smart. I like the cut of your jib." Yeah. Yeah. And then if I yep. want to use my salsa for, if I want to conserve my salsa for my meal, I can do that too. I don't have to uh-huh. be a victim to your uh-huh. excessive salsa dipping. <laughs> and, and I also don't have to like hold back and, and, and not pig out on the salsa because I need to save some for Derek. I can't just scoop it all into my mouth quickly like I want to um, because Derek's also sharing the salsa. So I should save some chunks for him. Uh, I can just devour it and then ask him to refill my salsa bowl. 
I'm not limited by, by, by the, the, the desire to be polite and share my salsa with you. I'm freed from that, from that burden. Okay. He took a dip. I can take a dip now too. And then I'll wait for his yeah. dip. Oh, now I'll yeah, take I a want, dip. I, I want another chip, but Derek hasn't eaten one in a few minutes and I've <laughs> eaten three since the last one he ate. I should wait to eat another chip. Why hasn't he eaten another chip? I really want another chip. That, that's what's going on in my head. While you're talking about things, I'm just staring at you going, <laughs> Well, we know eat how much chip, you Derek. like food and how much you need eat that food. <laughs> you know, while, while that salsa is right in front of it, you're just thinking of your tacos, really. You know that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so, so yeah, we went out to Mexican sounds good food right last now. night. I might get that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and what happened? Uh, well, we weren't planning on going to Mexican. We were going. We wanted to go to sushi. So we have a sushi bar that we really like. They have a patio, and they were open through the the later phases of COVID with a big patio. So we would go there and eat outside, and it was awesome. Really good food. They had a great all you can eat menu, and it was outside. So we were like, sweet, this is our fucking spot. Uh, and then we went there, but they were only seating inside. They have a big awesome patio that they weren't using, and we asked like, can we sit on the patio? They're like, no, we're not seating on the patio today. It's inside only. And then we were like, fuck. Because uh, we're back to being careful again. Uh, the new COVID is spreading like wildfire, at least out here, and I'd prefer to avoid it. Um, so we were like, eh, I don't really want to go sit inside. It's a tiny little stuffy sushi bar. Um, so instead of eating at our sushi bar, we just in the same little area, there's this uh, good Mexican food restaurant that we both really like, and they've got a giant patio, so we just went and ate on the patio there. And you got you got an I got, enchilada. No. no. A burrito. No. no. Tacos? No. Fajitas. Of course. Yeah, so of course. you remember me in my pre-keto days, and I'm not doing <sighs> keto anymore. But during the year I did keto, I obviously stopped eating carbs. So no tortillas, no bread, and all that shit. Uh, I eat carbs now, but I'm more aware of not eating a shitload of carbs. And I'm just used to eating meals without a lot of carbs. So, like, fajitas are a great thing because it's just a giant pile of meat and vegetables. And then they bring you some tortillas, and I might eat one or two or whatever. But for the most part, I just eat a big plate of fajitas with a fork. It's just fuckloads of meat, right? Uh, and I like that. So... That's that's kind of my go-to at this Mexican restaurant, at least. They have a great um, fajita trio, which is meat, shrimp, I'm, I'm sorry, chicken, shrimp, and steak. Uh, but I don't like shrimp a lot, so I usually just get steak and double chicken fajitas is my Ooh, ooh stop it, stop it, stop it. I'm hungry. A big, There's a, a big new Mexican restaurant over here that's open. I'm going to have to go there now. You, mm, you did you it. good Mexican food in Tennessee? Um, no. no, you don't. No, no, no. The, the initial reaction said everything you need to say. No, yeah. like they're making burritos, but it's not Mexican food. Yeah. I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There are some hole in the wall places. There are. Mm. Some, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you, you got, have all you, the, it's not like the ingredients are hard to come by. Right. No. So you do find some of the ones that are there, but you don't, you won't have like, uh, what is it? Uh, tortilla flats or something mm. like that. That's like really, really up upscale kind of Mexican uh, place that's good. Um, I oh. mean, but you will find places that sell like lingua uh, and um, uh, orchata. I mean, that, that I, does exist. What I, what I think by authentic, like like good Mexican food at a nice high-end restaurant that's doing some sort of a cool fusion thing with Mexican food is awesome. I love that shit. But I, I think what I mean is like full-blown, hole-in-the-wall, uh, mom-and-pop, 
straight up authentic Mexican food that's run by a local Mexican family and all their kids work there and they're straight up making Mexican food from back home. Uh, I love those places where there's only one and they're making like crazy authentic, straight up good, original, authentic Mexican food. There's just nothing like it. And they're everywhere out here, but that's because Mexican families are everywhere in California. Yeah. Where in, in your state, I'm sure there's Mexicans that live there, but, uh, I mean, you've got a white gardener, so (laughs) I have to imagine that there's not a ton of Mexican families. Maybe that's a super racist thing to say and, and sorry, but no, there's not, there's not a whole lot of Mexican families here. All right. Mm -hmm. So white gardeners virtually don't exist in California. Um, so lots of Mexican families and, uh, they're making incredible food. Yeah, no, I, I definitely miss, uh, some of those nice Mexican places. As a matter of fact, like, um, yeah, one of my favorites was in LA. It was uh, El Coyote. Mm. And I even say it. You like the way I say that? I didn't say coyote. Um, coyote. No, I think it's coyote. Okay. Oh, okay. oh wow. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. But yeah, well, I would You've go there. Tennessee too long, dude. <laughs> and my, my dad from Tennessee came out to visit us one time and I took him to El Coyote. And he just raved about it. He raved about it. And then um, when my brother came out to LA, I took him to like a real ramen place, like real ramen. Ooh, that you, yeah. you, that's where you could find real ramen. Real ramen is hard to come by because mm-hmm. it takes a long time to make ramen and you really can't sell it for that much too, it seems like, just right. because it's noodles and a slab of pork. But yeah. um, man, when you find it though, you're just like, it, it's really good. Uh, you have a couple good Japanese here though. Yeah, yeah, and th- that's starting to pick up popularity. You're starting to see uh, more and more ramen joints around, and I, it's not my favorite kind of food, so I haven't gone to a lot of them. I can't say if we have good ones or bad ones, but they are starting to pop up more and more, so I know it's picking up steam. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's not really my thing. Sarah likes likes that sort of food, um, more Asian food a lot. I just like I'm just I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, it's all right. I like Thai food. Thai food's good. I like super hot food, so Thai food's good. What about uh, Indian food, uh, chicken tikka masala? Whoa. Uh, we have one Indian place that I know of. I'm sure we have a lot more. But we have a really good Indian place near our house. And during COVID, we ordered from there a few times from like Grubhub uh, or one of the food delivery things. And it's good. I like it. It's not my first choice. I don't think of it when, I, when I'm hungry. I don't go, man, I really want some... Indian food right now. I want some curry. Uh, but it's good. She got some good stuff from there. A lot of sauces, a lot of chunks of meat buried in a shitload of sauce. It's, it's, it's good. Nothing wrong with it. It's good. Every once in a while, I I have a hankering, and the only thing that can satisfy it is chicken tikka masala. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I can't fault you for that. I've got my own weird little things that I just have to have. And it's like, well, we could just make this at home. Like, no, 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 no. It it has to be chicken timo masala. Oh, I think I think I just remembered a place where we majorly diverge here. Because mm. there's another thing that every once in a while I absolutely have to have. And it's a roast beef sandwich at Arby's. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Arby's. I knew it. Uh, oh, no. you hate Arby's, boy. You hate it. Oh, man. Uh, and, and and nothing against the Arby's people, but, like, there are 
good sandwiches out there. There's a lot of places to go get a good sandwich with good meat, you know? And uh, I don't know. I've never felt it necessary to pull into an Arby's and get a quick, convenient roast beef sandwich. Like, for me, if I'm just going to, I just need something to stuff in my mouth right now, and the first convenient place I pass will do well enough, I'll go through like a Taco Bell or a, even a McDonald's or a, just give me a burger or a burrito real quick that meets the need. It's it's bullshit food for me, and that's what I'll get. There's no way I would just go, man, I need something really quick. I'll go to Arby's. And it's never going to happen for me. Uh, uh, sometimes sometimes you need that roast beef. You need a beef and cheddar with a sesame bun. Oh, but there's a place to get a good roast beef sandwich, I guess, is my thing. But Maybe do I they, just don't think do, about a roast beef sandwich as being like, man, I just need something right now. I need a roast beef sandwich. And if I do, I'm going to like a, a Capriati's or something like that and getting a fucking Wagyu beef uh, cheesesteak, something like that. But do they slice the beef thin enough? That's where Arby's prevails for me. Did you buy stock in Arby's or something? No, no. I well, like what's, what's Arby's. What's the sales pitch? All right. No, I do. I do. All I right. like them. You're allowed to like Arby's. It's okay. You know, here we have like an Arby's like every mile. <laughs> in really? LA, there's like an Arby's up on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, like super far. And then there's one way down in like Westchester. There no was one like, wants Arby's Nobody in LA. wants Arby's in LA. No, no. But in Tennessee, Arby's everywhere. Arby's everywhere. Are there Taco Bells everywhere? Not everywhere, but there are Taco Bells. All right, but not as many as there are Arby's. No, no, no. The Taco Bells here are a a combination of Taco Bell and something else, like a Pizza Hut or something. Oh, or they're attached to a gas station. Do you get a lot of those? Uh, I've seen those kind of like in the middle of nowheres where kind of like you'll have like an Arby's attached to a gas station or, um, or a subway, but no, not, not really where I'm at. Um, no, they're, I mean, luckily they don't mess up the burritos. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, as long as you drive through and like we said before, there's not a teenage boy serving your food. I'm feeling pretty good. I I don't even really give it a second thought. Uh, if it's an adult, um, well, even if the teenage boy is non-white, I think I'm feeling a little better about it. Uh, I feel like that's a teenage white boy thing messing with food. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, because maybe he doesn't so much need the money is what you're thinking. Or, or do you think, I guess they're you think- just, I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's less likely to be uh, as attached to his job as maybe a... A Mexican kid or in any other uh, uh, ethnically uh, diverse Taco Bell employee. I feel like if I go through and it's like an Indian kid, uh, an Indian an Indian boy serving my food, I don't even give it a second thought. But if it's uh, a 16-year-old white boy with, like, green hair, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> this guy's going to wreck my food. Yeah, because you've purpose. been there. You've been there with oh, green yeah. hair. You've been Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe it's just projection. Maybe I'm just projecting my own self-image because I was a 16-year-old punk white boy with green hair, and I would fuck up your food for sure if I worked at Taco Bell. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe that's just my own uh, thing. Extra onions, easy onions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, before we cut, uh, do you know why Arby's is called Arby's? No. Okay. Now, it's spelled A-R-B-Y, like a name, like Arby. Uh-huh. But really, it's the letters 
RB for roast beef. RBs. Oh. You just blew my mind. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, D, I think we should go because that was prolific and mind-boggling. And uh, that's where I want to leave it. Sounds good, man. Well, I hope you have a great uh, rest of your week and uh, yeah. enjoy your weekend. Will do. You do the same. Wish me luck on the nanny search. And uh, I'll keep you posted on my progress. And I will try to keep the belly aching about it to a minimum. <laughs> well, I want to get an update. Yeah, but no promises. I'm going to belly ache. I'll just try to keep it to a minimum. I'm going to send some fake act. I'm going to send some actors over there <laughs> to interview with you. Oh, <laughs> you're a dick. You're going to apply for the job. I'll be like, this one sounds perfect. I'm going to like, hey, I'll pay you a hundred bucks, go interview over there and uh, act like you're a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. We'll hire him, dude. Take my money. Oh, sorry. I didn't oh, with man. That. All right, brother. Great yeah, to talk to you one, as man. always. You too. Yeah. Say hi to the fan, brother. Will do, bro. Okay. See you, man. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. And for more episodes and info, check out DerekandMike.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.